You're listening to Life, the Universe, and Everything Else. Today on the show, more unsponsored content. <laughs> Life, the universe, and everything else explores the intersection of science and society. Original music is produced by Ian James, and this episode was edited by Marissa McCool. Find her on Patreon at patreon.com slash QAF. My name is Jim Newman, and with me today, I have Laura Creek Newman. Hi there. Ashlyn Noble. Hello. And Lauren Bailey. Hello. Today, we're continuing last month's deep dive into all of the wonderful, useful, indispensable products that are offered for sale on podcasts just like this one. This week, we're going to have the second half of the episode featuring contributions from Ashlyn and Lauren. Yay. No taste tests in this one, though. <laughs> Lauren's go first, only because I thought of a great line to start following up after theirs. Okay. So, with that in mind, Lauren, why don't you take it away? One of the podcasts that Ashlyn and I listen to has the most audaciously wooey ads to the point where I think Ashlyn has maybe stopped listening and I leave it to the very last in my feeds. It's a good show. The ads suck. Their ads include the Lomi Composter by Pila, a Canadian company. As someone with two types of backyard compost bins, I was very curious how a quiet, countertop, instant compost machine could exist. I don't have a spare $500 US for testing, so I had to do some internet research instead. <laughs> yeah, sadly, no taste testing the composters. Oh, <laughs> man. Like, how, ma how many dollars was it? 500 American dollars. Good God. Wait, Can but I, you said it was a Canadian company. It's, 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 yep. This happens a lot and very it annoying. drives me up the wall. Like so many times I see these Canadian products, but they're always sold in US dollars. And I'm just like, come on, Canadians. What a money grab. I hate you. Go on. Because, yeah, because they're making it a worldwide price point at the 500 American dollars. Ugh. Gross. It is gross. So the research that I did, I had three questions going in. How does this Lomi compost instantly without worms or time? How can you market a unitasking electrical device as environmentally beneficial? And who is this for? So that's my thesis questions okay. for this, <laughs> Very for this good. segment. A little bit of history. Lomi was a Kickstarter-backed project that hit the market in 2022. So real recent. Its website claims that in just four hours, Lomi turns almost all organic waste into nutrient-rich plant food. The Lomi website and ads also say that it makes compost. Now, we're all gardeners of one type or another. What, to you, my fellow hosts, is compost? Just shout out your answers. Food that has broken down so far that it has become soil and is no longer like recognizable as scraps. 
Yeah, I'd say it doesn't necessarily have to be food. I mean, you can get into uh, like other compostable materials, but yeah, I think that that's a a fair starting point. I'm now wondering if this thing just like... Don't step on my segment, Newman. Okay, okay, okay. I've got my... I'll I'll, I'll see if my guess is is right at the end. Put that in your back pocket. Compost, there's some fermentation and or digestion happening of some kind. So it's not just... Yeah, it, it it needs that. Yeah, it, it needs, needs microbes and yeah, yeah, it needs microbes. It needs right. microbes or other things. So, for example, an autoclave is not a composting device. No, no. Well, According- well, but what about hot composting? <laughs> yeah, on, hot composting is a thing. Where they, it's like a whole room that heats up. I feel like they have this at the U of W. Yeah, but it wouldn't turn into ash, which is what they would do. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because anyway, that would break right. it down. But you're right, Lauren, you've got it exactly right. That's ash. It's not like soil yeah. or like right. it's, it's not organic use anymore. Yeah. Like the carbon gets burnt off in many ways. And yeah. yeah. So according to the Cornell Waste Management Institute, which is an actual place, composting is a process in which microorganisms break down organic matter and produce carbon dioxide, water, heat and hummus. Hummus. I don't, never know how to pronounce that word. <laughs> With the one mm, M. Chickpea spread. <laughs> <laughs> Water, heat, and hummus. The relatively stable organic end product. So you guys were pretty much spot on. To continue from Cornell Waste Management Institute, under optimal conditions, composting proceeds through three phases. The mesophilic, which is the moderate temperature phase, which lasts for a couple of days. The thermophilic, which is the high temperature phase, which can last from a few days to several months. And finally, a several-month cooling and mat- maturation phase. So it, that doesn't have a, an ick name to it. Well, if it does, they didn't list it. So composting is a naturally occurring process that takes time and involves both chemical and biological processes performed by the likes of bacteria, fungi, molds, protozoa, and other microorganisms. You guys were pretty much on there. You know, The process of turning things back to dirt. Ashes so to ashes, definition... soil to soil. With our powers combined, we can define compost. By your powers combined, I am Captain Planet! So by that definition, Lauren, does that mean like worm composting is is not composting? Or you you have your regular composting happening at the same time, and then you you have the worms there as well? Yeah, because they they helped break it down. They're not a microorganism, obviously. They're multicellular. But the worms eat the stuff, and then what comes out of the worms, the worm poop, is then easier to compost. So they are a step before the composting. They do part of the digestion. Yeah. They're the (laughs) pre-composters. And technically, you can get unicellular organisms that are not microorganisms. Well, barely. Not your show, Jim. True. I'm trying (laughs) to make a contribution. I don't have a segment this time. It's true. You had so much. It's very large. (laughs) (laughs) So much segment. We had to have two shows. (laughs) All right. So we've defined what actual composting is. Now, Lomi, the product that we were reviewing, Mm -hmm. says that you can add items like meat scraps and softer bones. So like chicken bones, but not beef bones. You can add cheese and fibrous materials to the cycle in small doses. You can't add. Yes. And meat. They say none of the small wooden balls that come as the toy with avocados. 
<laughs> and no mammal balls. <laughs> but can you do avocado skins? Yes. Okay, I've always thought it was super weird that the pits break down pretty good in our compost, but the skins are forever. Oh yeah, yeah. That, it's super weird. Anyway, but continue. When we get into what the Lomi actually does, we'll see okay, why fair. they say, don't put in the balls. <laughs> so, how does Lomi work? Does it superheat the waste? And as we were talking before with the autoclave, wouldn't that burn away any nutrients and leave you with a pile of ash? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is the answer yes? Yes. <laughs> that is what superheats the waste guess. do. Yeah. <laughs> but some experts do say that you can add wood ash to soil to change the pH and add elements like calcium. But hmm. that's not what Lomi does. According to a few detailed reviews, Lomi works more like a food processor and a dehydrator than a composter. Oh. The resulting matter, no matter how they market it, it isn't compost. It's dehydrated food waste. Okay. And like chopped up, dehydrated food waste. Yeah, basically. That would compost super fast, though. It would. One reviewer tested it, and it still heats up when added to a compost pile which means that it still oh. can rot and it hasn't broken down into soil. Yeah. So that's basically one of the caveats is if it heats up when you add it to a compost pile, it's not done composting. Hmm. So the that's answer cool. to my grand question is that Lomi is not a composter. It reduces the size, smell, wetness, and overall unpleasantness of food waste, and it creates a final product that can be mixed into other composting methods to continue the process. But that's not what they marketed it as. That's what I was wondering from that. Like, w- w- tell us how they market it, Lauren. It, it seems a lot like they are taking, like, a dryer sheet and calling it a laundry detergent. Yeah. The splash page on their... Sorry, they don't, they're not called splash pages anymore. I'm just showing my age. But their website, <laughs> I just went back to it. It says, Lomi solves your daily food waste problems, making your family a team of planet-saving superheroes. And I'm looking at the front page, and it doesn't say any... I'm looking for the word compost. I'm actually going to do a search. Riveting podcast that I know. After these messages, we'll be right back. Okay, so it does say compost, but it's not in their their ad stuff. It doesn't say compost. The first in, place... In the ads that are on podcast, they talk about compost constantly. Yeah. It's interesting that it's not as prominent on their website, probably because it's harder to back up. Yeah, it is about the first, when I do a search, the first use of the word compost on the page is about two-thirds of the way down their main page. Wow. Underneath the little splash, the what does it do about no more smelly, leaky garbage, and a visual of really grossness, and then some advert, like some testimonials. And then a shop here button, before and after button. And then, like I said, more than halfway down the page, the third of four little videos is called How Long Does It Take Lomi to Compost? So that's where we first talk about compost. So I'm, I'm not going to make the claim that this is what they're doing, but I know that a common tactic among MLMs is to have training sessions that train their downlines to make specific claims that the company itself does not make, because if they were to make them in official ad copy, they would be actionable. But their downlines, when selling the product to other people, 
are free to make those claims because nobody will be able to prove that they were made by the company. That was also the Purdue Pharma method. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's constant when you're using a third-party advertising. Because all of the ads that I have heard for Lomi have been read by the podcasters. There's never been a insert button here for actual Lomi ad that I have heard. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I've only ever heard the hosts as well. They have some fancy YouTube ads, which are probably just the videos from their from their website, like revamped Mm -hmm. a little bit, which I end up seeing when I'm on YouTube. I skip past them. So I see Mm -hmm. the first few moments of it. But it's even from those first few seconds, it's pretty clear. And I truth be told, I cannot say if I remember them explicitly saying this is your countertop composter. But it is clear that that is the implication, that you just put your food in and in not too long, you get this beautiful compost that you can then just use. Yeah, their their website and their video ads are pretty slick. They don't say any, like all of their little videos are real slick. But I mean, it's it's the modern day advertising, right? Yeah. Yeah, modern day products, you got to have a real good website. We'll talk about a real a really good website in our something nice. (laughs) (laughs) but for now let's move on to our second question that i had regarding how lomi can be environmentally beneficial so pila the parent company of lomi has quite a lot of information about that on the website while pila is a canadian company and orders are fulfilled from its warehouses here the device is manufactured in china surprise that's a lot of shipping yep pila uses i bet you can guess what i'm going to say next Carbon mm. credits to offset its manufacturing oh. and shipping oh. process. Oh. Yeah. What a scam. Have we have we done an episode? We have done an episode about carbon credits, right? Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't think so. I don't think so. Don't really. We have or I learned it from a different podcast. But OK, well, we definitely should talk about those because, boy, those are a scam. Up. Yeah. Pila also has a really detailed plan and a whole bunch of whole PDFs that I went through for improving its downline environmental as well. But yeah, for those who don't know, carbon credits, somebody else want to explain them here? Pinch hit? I didn't write anything down, but I can do it off the cuff unless somebody else wants to really... Most of the time, they are either not planting the trees they're claiming to, or the way that they are planted or counted is bizarrely done, or they are in other ways just not doing what they're claiming to do, like 95% of cases. Yeah, so they can work in a variety of ways. We, we do know that at least 90% of them are not audited or actionable in any way. So it's just a bunch of made up numbers, but they'll often double count. So like the same forest, they'll say, we saved this from logging three times. Mm. And a lot of the credits are, there's, I think, five criteria that the EU lays out for what a realistic carbon credit needs to be in order for it to make sense environmentally and essentially nobody hits those all of those targets but they'll basically say pay us money to not cut down this forest and then that forest will be not cut down multiple times also like they'll they'll plant trees but then those trees will end up getting cut down or they'll plant they'll log old growth trees and then plant new trees that there's lots of reasons that it doesn't make sense but Mm-hmm. Yeah. And having someone else plant some trees to offset your manufacturing and shipping pollution, that's a really icky amount of greenwashing. Yep. Yeah. Even if they weren't doing the scams of counting the trees three times, it's really icky because 
there's a whole bunch of research out there about what old growth does versus new growth. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that old growth does is make way for coffee and chocolate plantations. And cattle farming. But Pila has been certified as a carbon neutral product slash company. So what do we know, right? Do we anyway, know? <laughs> another topic. <laughs> so there are a few use cases on the Lomi environmental page that speak to perfect world, standard world, and unrecommended carbon footprint for Lomi users. Oh, <laughs> no. What? Tripping there. Yeah. What the hell? Okay, Basically, go on. Yeah. If you're using it as a compactor slash degrossifier for organic trash, but you still put that trash in the bag to go to the landfill, that's not a carbon positive experience. And they do not recommend. That <laughs> oh, is an unrecommended no. carbon footprint. You're just it's squishing so your garbage. Please oh, tell yeah. me that there's like a big frowny, frowny emoji beside that. <laughs> no, it's just a picture of a headless torso of a human throwing a bag into a dumpster. Oh, okay. Or, or no, no, better, like an animated planet Earth that's like <laughs> gloomy and sad-faced. <laughs> no, sadly. We could, we should put one of those together. That sounds There fun. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and so, I mean, like, yes, that's exactly the same thing as just throwing the whole banana peel in the garbage. Like, mm -hmm. you've done nothing different, except, no, you've actually wasted more energy by running the electricity to run this thing. Bingo. It's not compost, and the product can still rot, and it will take a while to break down in the trash situation. Oh, I love trash! It's... Would it not at least, like, take up less space and cost less gas to transport to the landfill? Yeah, but then you're still, you're still putting it in a plastic bag, which is made of dinosaurs, oh. and... Yeah, it's still a carbon-negative situation. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. They all, they talk about their standard world, which is so-and-so uses the Lomi once a week, and they put all the trash in it during the week, and use it on one of its modes once a week, and then use that to go to the local comp... Like, some cities have compost programs. Mm -hmm. Or some, you know, some neighborhoods might have a, a combined compost pile. That is a normal standard world where you're basically carbon neutral. Right. Their perfect world is the person with the backyard gardens and the six outdoor composters. They don't talk about putting it in with other compost. They talk about mixing it into the soil, which I don't think that would be good for this, but what do I know? Well, I wonder if that them. would burn. Yeah, because yeah. the danger of compost that is not composted enough is that you hurt your plants because there's too much whatever in it. Yeah, mm -hmm. but their perfect world is a user who is already not using this as their only way to be carbon positive. Like, but in that perfect world, their product is unnecessary. Yep. So this is a product that's clearly marketed at people who are likely living in densely populated areas. So very few a smaller percentage, I should say, of those people are going to have the outdoor space to do this kind of stuff. So once they use their product, for them to then find a way to properly dispose of it in a compost heap is not a thing that would happen for the most part, especially if you're talking big cities where people may not have cars and things like that. 
Like people aren't exactly going to be wanting to take their pail of compost on the train or bus to wherever. Yep. And that is, that brings into my third Sorry, question <laughs> from the top. No, no, it, it was Just a good, like... it was a good pull in. It's who is the Lomi for? So remember we're at a $500 American price point. Mm-hmm. So the price point and the ads seem to me that Pila is marketing the Lomi to upper middle class suburban people with children and a backyard who maybe don't garden very much, but want to appear like they're eco-conscious. Yeah. They feel and, guilty about all the banana yeah. peels in their garbage. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say this is targeted at guilt, not at particular people. Oh, yeah. This is targeted <laughs> at pure suburban white guilt. Yep. Those who drive their two SUV style vehicles into the city, drop the children off at daycare kind of thing. Yeah. I feel a little called out, but go on. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. It's not my intention. You I understand know, the science. <laughs> I, I'm just joking, Lauren. Yeah. Truly just. Oh, I know. Just... <laughs> yeah. So Lomi has three modes for use. There's an eco mode for day to day that you just, you know, at the end of the day, you push the button and all the, the waste disappears. The Lomi approved mode, which is for tougher jobs, like your non-mammal bones. And then the grow <laughs> mode, for what you, that's what you run weekly for the product okay. and the other cycles. So you leave the stuff in the Lomi bin. Okay. And then you run the grow mode at the end of the week. And you can also join their subscription service to get oh. their approved nutrient pellets to add to the grow mode. But they say they're not mandatory. If you do, though, that's more shipping. You can get on the subscription service and they will send you these grow pellets. What are the grow Every pellets? Month. Like, is it just fertilizer for yeah, your non-composted stuff? <laughs> it is a special blend. It's a proprietary blend of nutrients of to put back into, like, why would you need to add nutrients to it? But yeah, going, like, that's the whole point. <laughs> going from Laura's segment, it's a cup of peas with a Flintstones vitamin on top. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's so... Yeah, it's like it's like people who've never used or in, interacted with compost decided to be like, what if we made a composter? Yep. Some of the advertising material talks to people living in apartments or in small spaces where there isn't room for a traditional composting system or a worm bucket. Mm -hmm. But according to some of the very long reviews that are going to be in my show notes, the Lomi takes up a significant amount of counter space. I they talk imagine. about it being a countertop composter but that's it's a i would not put this on my kitchen counter because i don't have much of them well i was gonna say you guys have in the single digits of feet of, of counter space <laughs> yes. and yeah like it's it's great for composter if you live like you said lauren in a suburban style house that probably has some kind of island or something like that in a big yeah. open concept kitchen yeah and it's supposed to be sleek, and it's got the one button on the front kind of thing, and then you run it off your phone with an app. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so it's Wi-Fi capable. Oh, God. Yeah. A lot love of the marketing... To love to harvest composters into my botnet. <laughs> <laughs> I was speaking before about the urban composting programs, and that's what a lot of their marketing material also speaks to, the green bin programs, which sadly is not in every city. And here in Winnipeg, it's still frustratingly a pilot project for only certain areas of the city. I think they've been in a pilot for that for over a decade. For the rest of us, it's just a wild west of your own composters. Well, we do have a, like, there's a private not-for-profit service that we subscribe to 
that is, it does not service the whole city, but they are adding neighborhoods frequently as, as often as they can manage from their small not-for-profit workforce. But still, it's the price is just going up to about $400 a year. So yeah. not everybody can afford that. Nope. I mean, I frankly, we can't afford back. that. But, <laughs> but like, I, we can't, but I feel bad. And my, my backyard composter can't handle the amount of compost that we make because my children don't eat their damn food. Well, don't you know that other kids are starving in Japan? So eat it. Just eat it. Anyway, we we added a new we added a second backyard composter last year, and I think we might add a couple more because nice. we see them come up either in like the neighborhoods trade group, yeah. Or this past weekend was Hippie Christmas, the oh, free yeah. giveaway weekend. But I didn't see any composters. I didn't go out looking particularly. They're in pretty high demand. Yeah, we happened we to find get one last year. Like ten big windows that the house across the street was getting rid of, so I have taken them and i'm gonna build a greenhouse out of them nice. i thought you were saving that I'm for your so something excited. nice so i wasn't mentioning it <laughs> no, no. okay anyway so how much can this hold because this is another question when i think of the compost bin like the in-kitchen compost bin that i use now granted this is not grinding and dehydrating so mine is going to be fuller than that but i am curious at how much you could put in there in the course of the week like if your family has six people and they're big, like, fruit and vegetable eaters compared to, like, a one- or two-person household. How would that work? The graphic on their website shows it as it's a three-liter bucket. Okay, that's not very big. No, it's about the size of the compost bucket that we have that we just take things out to the composter in. And after you run the first cycle, it mm-hmm. gives you an 80% reduction. So 20% of three liters... We'll let somebody smarter than me in math do the math. A little over half a liter. Yeah, I mean, so you'll lose that the second day and then progressively. Yeah, like you were saying before, this is not really something that I would consider a countertop device. Like, it's it's big. It's probably as big as my KitchenAid, like, footprint-wise. Mm-hmm. And But I I feel like if you were running it every day, it could probably handle most of what the three of us would make but not like when i'm cooking for a crowd (laughs) right right it would handle yeah because we have to take out the compost bucket two to three times while you're doing a vegetable based preparation yeah for your weekly big cooks yeah but yeah this is a larger device that holds about the same amount as the compost bucket that i got at canadian tire that i just take out to the big bins yeah and register your loamy why for recall i'm just looking at the website i'm just like is there a club but there is there's a subscription club yeah yeah, so you can get the nutrient pellets and the filters so it doesn't stink all right let's recap this get this segment over loamy is a composter that does not create compost It creates drier organic waste that can be either sent for composting if your area is able to do so, or added to your own compost. It's made by a company that really cares about its carbon footprint, but it's still manufactured in a plant that Pila says they are encouraging to use more sustainable power methods as part of their 2023 improvement plan. And the price point, even excluding the subscription fee for pellets, makes it out of reach for those who do not have other, albeit slower, composting options. If you can conf- afford it and use it consistently, 
and you fit within a certain set of parameters, it may be worth it for you. It is less smelly and buggy than a worm bin, but it is only one very small step in a very long reclamation process. That's the Lomi. Good. It seems to be true, and it was. (laughs) I I clicked some more things on this website, regrettably. Well, I needed to tell you that there is an accessory that you haven't mentioned that I feel like needs some time in the spotlight here. The Lomi Skylight, which is a clear lid that replaces the existing lid for the Lomi so that you can watch it make and, like, dehydrate and disgustify your food. First of all, I do not... No, I don't actually... No, I think that's the right word. So there's a video that comes with it that is shows the whole process, but how much do you think a clear lid for the Lomi costs? I can't answer this, because I know this. A hundred dollars. You nailed it, Laura. Oh my god. <laughs> Ninety-nine ninety-nine US dollars. Uh, there are seven different videos you can watch. Well, seven different... Absolutely bonkers. Seven it is videos? Perfect... Well, no, it is one video and six other pictures of this clear lid. And it's not even a fully clear lid. It just has two little windows in it. I'm actually unclear whether it's two windows or it's like one window and that's a big ass handle that has a light. Oh, does it actually have a light? Is that it does? It has a light. Yeah, it has a light. Okay. Okay. Oh god. It is the so perfect gift for a Lomi owner. Kids, kids love to watch as their food waste breaks down into Lomi Earth. I doubt that. And Lomi <laughs> Earth is capitalized. It is. Oh no. Lomi Earth yeah. TM. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are filter okay. refills and Lomi pods and Lomi blends and an extended warranty. But I'm going to stop talking about Lomi because uh, I have been genuinely curious about how this thing works. Mm-hmm. And I am glad that you did this research for us. Well, that's why I did it, too, because it, it seemed from the ads on the podcast that we are not mentioning, it seemed like it was a miracle product mm-hmm. and miracle products don't exist. So nope. what was the actual truth? I found out from two people who bought it and then who reviewed it from environmental websites. Yeah, if it was much cheaper, I feel like it might be worth it for people who make a lot of compost like us. Mm -hmm. Because then at least it would be insmollified and then we could put it in the composter and let it actually compost. (laughs) Yeah, the the compost bins wouldn't fill up by May of year. I've heard that there are people who, like, just straight up blend their greens before they add it to the compost. And this is just that. Like a slurry? Mm -hmm. Like a green slurry? Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, it would make it, like, they do say, like, if it's chopped up, it's going to break down faster, right? Compared to a big old lettuce leaf, so. Right. Sure. Well, our little compost bin that we got from Canadian Tire... Not the big ones out back, but the little ones that we mm-hmm. put things in from the kitchen. It's mostly smell tight, so sometimes by the time I remember to empty it, it's broken <laughs> down quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, that's problem. You made soup. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I made some real disgusting soup, and the Lomi <laughs> would help with that because it would dehydrate the soup. Yeah, yeah. I, I do essentially believe that it is not smelly. It seems like it would be fine, if, especially if you were running it every day. Yeah. Yeah, I would yeah. believe that. Yeah, I bet that that's probably why a lot of people would not get this ridiculous product, though. They probably think it's going to be stinky. But, but a lot of not. the advertising for it does say that it is cuts down. It gets rid of the smell, and it gets rid of the grossness. And mm-hmm. there's pictures of gross 
dripping food bags going into trash cans. And yeah, enjoy. Let's talk about something else about food, though, Ashlyn. Well, speaking of garbage that we have had to listen to. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love it. (laughs) Noom ads on a podcast are the fastest way to make sure that I stop whatever I am doing and free at least one hand to skip ahead. (laughs) I cannot handle them, especially when they are. And as with the low me, they tend to be the ones that they make the podcast host read. So you have to listen to them talk about how much they hate their body and how much they want it to change and how nothing else has ever worked for them. But psychology! Oh, So, Noom adds, telling listeners that they can stop dying... Freudian? Right. Noom ads tell listeners that they can stop dieting and make lifestyle changes to get lifelong results And they make me very stabby when I know that they are advertising false hope and self-hatred and failure instead of their alleged psychology-based weight loss plan. And having to stop my podcast to skip ahead is especially irritating when I'm like gardening or doing dishes or playing with molten glass. So I really, really hate Noom. So first, I tried researching Noom by searching the name of the company and seeing what comes up to a person casually interested in checking it out. So obviously, whatever the algorithms decide what I see. But I did find it interesting that one of the suggested searches when I searched for Noom, just straight up Noom, was what is the downside of Noom? The result suggested that the recommended tracking can be time consuming and stressful, as well as the fact that you are sort of tethered to your phone can be bad for people. But I I was encouraged by the fact that that was high up on there. Tell people what the downsides are, even though the downsides are don't sound that bad. I found a few fairly positive reviews, most of them listing the pros of Noom as keeps me accountable and doesn't forbid any foods, which is a good one. Like not saying that any particular food is bad and off limits is a uh, great start (laughs) everything else is bad (laughs) i saw a few things in the positive reviews that i personally regard as red flags from the get-go but which are an essential or rather the essential part of noom you need to do a daily weigh-in and track all of your food i don't know man that sounds like a lot of work oh yeah that we've proved that 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 those both work for us yeah quote Two compulsory to-dos make up the heart of Noom, daily weigh-ins and food logging. For the first, most people will need to open up the app and manually enter in their number from their bathroom scale, though some smart scales can connect automatically. After a while, it became a routine part of my morning. The hardest part, really, is facing your own ego and stepping on the scale in the first place. Another quote. When I joined Noom, I was probably at my leanest and strongest. Physically, I was my most capable, said a 27-year-old woman who tried Noom in 2019. Once I got on Noom and I had to weigh myself every day, that deteriorated. It overpowered how strong I felt in my body. Those weigh-ins definitely messed with my head. Yikes. Yep. That that tracks. Yep. (laughs) That that tracks with what we know about things. (laughs) And a journalist who wrote an article 
about it talked about how dozens of women that they spoke to about Noom had some version of that story. They joined the app to lose 10 pounds or work on their relationship with food, and instead they were rattled by the weigh-ins and the tight calorie count. They didn't find the psychological element that helpful, but most of the women were, of course, raised in some form of diet culture, and meaning that they already were able to, like they had culturally osmosed a lot of the information that Noom <laughs> tries to give you. Like how many of us have heard, oh, you should drink a sip of water in between every bite to make you more full and slow you down. Yep. Uh, any day where I get above 800 calories, just by my, my own estimate, I start to freak out a little bit because of how of all of the calorie restrictions I've done in my life. Mm -hmm. I feel I shouldn't eat more than 800 calories a day. So yeah, this triggers to that. Noom claims repeatedly that it doesn't believe in good or bad foods, but mm. it does categorize foods. How do you yep. think that works out? <laughs> I never ended up actually joining Noom or giving them much information, although I did give them my email address, which I regret. But so I can't quite tell from the various things that I read. At one point, they for sure had the categories as green, yellow, and red foods. Yep. Which right away, we Yikes. all know in our society, like there is a hierarchy and yellow, green, and red, you don't even have to tell people. We know which ones we're not supposed to eat. On a traffic light, green means go and yellow means yield. But on a banana, it's just the opposite. <laughs> green means hold on. Yellow means go ahead. And red means, where the fuck did you get that banana at? So the high category, like the red category, might now be orange because they they do seem to be, and I maybe I'll touch on this more after I've said some more about the different aspects, but they do seem to be aware of their criticisms and they do seem to be trying to change things in order to be less attackable <laughs> see that's yeah. worse yeah. that's so much worse yeah i don't think they're trying to get better they're trying to make people stop being mean to them <laughs> <laughs> their feelings right so of course red foods include calorie dense things like olive oil and nut butters which you're supposed to eat few of yellow foods you can eat with caution and green foods you can eat liberally Classic diet messaging. Classic, classic was, diet. Right. And I was really pleased to see that one of the articles that called this out was Teen Vogue, which has really since like 2016 or so just been doing oh, yeah. a really good job. <laughs> yeah, they're so good about, yeah, amazing. That's great. Christy Harrison, who is a registered dietitian and author of Anti-Diet, which is a great book, said, I've seen Noom try to convince people it's not about the numbers and you're not a failure if your weight doesn't change. But how does that square with making people weigh themselves every day and using a traffic system to categorize foods? Of course, that creates a sense of good and bad foods. This eye-rolling first-hand account describes something that's definitely totally not a diet. <laughs> Quote, if you're struggling to wrap your mind around this way of eating, let me help. To lose 12 pounds in 16 weeks, Noom decided I needed about 1,250 calories a day to function. It suggested I limit red foods to 300 calories, consume 540 calories of yellow foods, and use my remaining 410 calories eating green foods. 
So if I had a glazed donut for breakfast at 260 calories, I'd consumed my red foods for the day, but I still had 990 calories to divide between yellow and green foods. A light salad with grilled chicken for lunch? Why not? Shrimp and grilled veggies for dinner? Absolutely. Guilt over the donut? None whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You're just describing a regular-ass diet. Yeah. Also, like, that, I, I would be hungry. Like, they, they neglected to add the bedtime snack after they were starving, like... Shrimp and veggies is not going to hold you from 6 o'clock until 11 or whatever. No. 10.30pm, no. you are standing in front of the open fridge eating shredded cheese by the handful. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, Lauren. Like, definitely, like, all the breakfast cereals. <laughs> but the idea of sticking your hand into, like, a bag of shredded cheese. Yeah. I mean, you're seeding so many spores. You, you pour Pour it into a sidecar first if you're delicate, unless it's the end of the bag, and then you just eat it. Can I have some cheese? Well, we do know that Gem is delicate. Yeah. Extremely. I've heard your cheese procedure, and I don't want to be in your house where cheese is involved. <laughs> it's... yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. So, Laura, what does every weight loss company tell you that they can achieve? Like, what is an achievable weight loss goal according to... One to two pounds a week. That's the one. Guess how much Noom tells you you can lose. Up to five. No, it's one to two pounds a week. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. they were going to make outlandish claims. <laughs> no, they psychology very closely to that two pounds a week, I found out. So... How much weight does the average person lose on Noom? This is, again, from that article that gave the, this totally not a diet review. Yeah. According to Noom, when individuals consistently eat closer to the lower end of their weight loss zone, which is capitalized, which is the range of calories one needs to eat to create a caloric deficit, they can expect to lose about two pounds a week. If someone is eating at the higher end of their weight loss zone, they can expect to lose half a pound a week, according to the company. So... It's just a diet. It's just a regular diet. It's just a diet. So here's yeah. what they're not saying about all diets. The fact is that the research shows most people can sustain weight loss for nine months, but the vast majority gain it back. Many gain back more than they lost over the next two to five years. They are still saying that less than 80% of people managing to lose weight for nine months in 2016, which is the study that they cite as the evidence is that all of those people are having the same experience as everybody else. They lose weight short term and they gain it back long term and they study them for nine months and then they say, look at our thing, it works better than everything else. Gross. Yeah, they, that's a trend in all the, the weight loss research is yeah. they, they all do this kind of thing. Usually it's like in that six, six to 12 month range. And they just then say, and it will continue like this forever. Yeah. Because yeah. like that that's like looking at a stock market that's that's having like hugely inflated prices and being like, it's just gonna go up at this rate forever. Like nobody would do that. That well, they shouldn't. Anyway, like <laughs> people who know finances and, and like I am not a finance person or a stock person or anything like that, but like I know enough to know like what goes up must come down things find an equilibrium so anybody looking at an economic system like that would go like hmm, maybe we should be a little cautious about this that that can't just keep going right without consequences but all the weight loss research is just like and it will just continue 
Right. Because we yeah. won't study it. Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna make sure that it's gonna continue. But like, look at this trajectory. Yeah, yeah. the trajectory a, doesn't lie. Yeah, yeah. It's a my pumpkin futures are gonna be good up until about January kind of situation. <laughs> this year I invested in pumpkins. They've been going up the whole month of October, and I got a feeling they're gonna peak right around January. And bang, that's when I'll cash in. Christy Harrison also notes that there are a number of reasons why dieting is just a bad idea for people who want to be in a healthy relationship with their body. One is that diets drive like rebound eating, whereas where you feel like you are restricted, so you aren't going to eat the thing, but then when that breaks, you eat more of the thing than you would have if you just didn't feel the guilt around it. Yeah. Quote, in sobriety circles where people aren't well-versed in intuitive eating, there's often an analogy made between alcohol and sugar or flour. Foods deemed to be addictive. But the thing is, food isn't addictive in the same way that substances are. While you can absolutely feel addicted to those kinds of foods, as I did too in my disordered eating days, those foods only create addiction-like eating in the context of restriction. And this is something that has been studied to death, and every time that there is a study done about it, it seems to get twisted into, and this is why we need to try harder to diet instead of when we convince everybody that making their body smaller is the most important thing, we are creating exactly the circumstances that we are so afraid of. Really upsets uh, me. <laughs> yeah. Something interesting that w- I noted and was noted in a few places was that Noom has done a good job of expanding the weight loss market into men. <laughs> Yay. Not necessarily like just non women, but men specifically. The ads feature a lot of men. It's hard to get any data out of Noom, obviously, but based on things like the forums and stuff, there do seem to be a much higher percentage of male users than things like WW, which used to be called Weight Watchers, etc. Jenny Craig just died. They just announced their bankruptcy. Congrats. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant the actual person. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the business. Yeah, sorry. I don't know. Um, Was she a real person? I truly don't know. I don't know. know. I know Kirstie Alley did a lot of their, like, did stuff for them in the 90s. She did. <laughs> yeah, Th- this true. expanding their their market into men re- really does kind of feel like the dark twin of the more female drone pilots. Oh, yeah. God. Very much. <laughs> so one of the reasons that it is speculated that this particular approach has done better with men is that they claim to be rooted in science. They they aren't trying to be like, take care of yourself, yada, yada. It's like, this is science. This is how you can science your way out of being fat. Well, there's been a, a major push, too, for men and getting into all sorts of fixing your eating and all the Andrew Tate jerks yeah. when they're mm. get to oh, the and gym sure, and like, get yourself some um, orthorexia, nice and healthy. Male body dysmorphia is also super on the rise as well with yeah. the way that society is. Mm-hmm. And oh, oh, uh, men, of, of course, as is, I'm sure we can all attest, men do love to talk about loving science. <laughs> <laughs> and 
talk about loving to be objective about things. When it suits their purposes from their cherry-picked information. I don't have feelings, just anger. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What do you mean anger's a feeling? It is not. You can't just have your characters announce how they feel. That makes me feel angry. Here are a few more sort of anti-testimonials <laughs> <laughs> from folks whose, whose experiences I came across while I was researching this. I, I thought these were all interesting enough to sort of talk about the different aspects. After signing up and answering the prompts, you receive an email from Noom that includes a graph showing how much you'll lose by the date of your upcoming quote-unquote special event and information on how they can help you reach your goal weight. For the record, promising a certain number of pounds lost by a certain date is not a mindfulness-based lifestyle change. It's purely a crash diet perpetuated by society's thin ideal. (laughs) (laughs) Good quote. They use their quote-unquote psychology tricks to make you feel bad about eating food. (laughs) One of the big recurring things is that they talk about cravings as your inner elephant which is, quote, your impulsive, irrational, emotional side. And Noom wants you to, quote, tame your elephant and make it behave. Why is it got to be an elephant, Noom? Yeah, elephants are not, like... Elephants are well known to be intelligent, caring, like, thoughtful, and not, like... Yeah, but they're big and fat, Laura. Yeah, Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And that's just, like... Like, but seriously, if they wanted to go with a big fat animal that's like impulsive and dangerous, a hippo, like clearly hippo is what you want to go for. I I think that would be too obvious, though, like calling it your inner hippo that that's very much like calling it like your inner fatso or something. Yeah, like it's. Yeah. Oh, it's it's, although this is not better. Christy Harrison, again, notes, quote, the emotional eating piece really gets to me the way it demonizes emotional eating. Meanwhile, creating the conditions for it to happen. Of course you're going to feel so deprived after a few days or weeks of a 1,200-calorie diet. I would be crawling out of my skin. Also, an elephant? Really? (laughs) (laughs) The program's heavy emphasis on tracking calorie intake makes it the same as any other diet app competitors, which have been cited to cause the development of eating disorders in their users. Fun fact. Noom's goal is to help users, quote, continue developing healthy habits to keep the weight off after reaching your goal. But I don't, that doesn't seem true based on my experience. (laughs) So Noom also has these health coaches, which sound awful. You get put into a group after your trial and the group gets what sound like mostly copy and pasted like encouragement that is not at all personalized. Yeah. Quote, it appears that all of the initial goal-setting answers users give at the beginning of the program are never actually read by anyone. It doesn't seem like the, quote, personal coach even has access to them. In all, the personal coaches just don't seem into it. They check in after a whole week of exercising and eating with a virtual high five and zero input or advice. Terrible. That's useful. Yeah. I want to feel seen, but I don't want anyone to actually see me. Great. Do I have a product for you? Yeah. Another thing that diets and especially programs have in common are that they are one of the only things, only products that when they fail, successfully blame the user. Here's another experience. Thibodeau says his progress on Noom has plateaued, but felt this was more to do with him than the app's failings. 
I didn't feel as though it was a scam in the way that I feel a lot of apps tend to overpromise and underdeliver, he said. The shortcomings I've experienced with it are more to do with my lack of interest than the effectiveness of the app. <sighs> is it a diet culture or is it a religion? You tell me. I mean, the fact that like one or two percent of people can lose weight and keep it off and they are telling everybody that they can do that. They're setting up almost everyone to fail. And then they know that almost all of those people will blame themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they've been conditioned over generations to do so for a lack of willpower or whatever else it is. High control group marketing. Same as... And we talked about how the the quote-unquote goal of Noom is to help people maintain long-term healthy habits. However, Noom doesn't actually offer any sort of maintenance package. You can either sign up for the full six-month program that where you're losing weight and that's the whole goal, or you're done. Really? Yeah. It's Gross. Very Has that always been the because, case? Well, so, okay, let's talk about me signing up for Noom, because I did. Okay. Well, I, I didn't actually go through with it, but I went through the whole quiz. First of all, they asked, how much weight do you want to lose? And I had seen an article from Reagan Chastain, Dances with Fat, where she had experimented with giving it just an absurd goal, like 45 pounds or something. Mm-hmm. And it was like, warning, this is how much you want to weigh at the end, not how much you want to lose. Are you sure? And she was like, yep. And they were like, okay, cool. Let's make you a program. <laughs> they seem to have put a stop to that. Like I said, they do seem to respond to criticism <laughs> in that way. So every time I tried to put a weight that was in the underweight or below BMI category for my height, it would mm-hmm. return an error. So it will no longer allow you to try to get underweight, but it will allow you to become one pound over that weight. <sighs> did did it tell you what the error was? Or did it just, like, did the website just glitch out? It said, your recommended weight range is 140 to 184 pounds. Please try again. <laughs> okay, so it didn't just glitch on you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So and this is, this also doesn't, take into account this system doesn't take into account your starting weight which is like oh it does it did it did ask me that first sorry oh okay but, but yes okay what i mean by this is that it's okay i'm not i don't think this pursuit of of intentional weight loss is something that any buddy should be doing or that our culture should be pushing or any of that but what i'm saying is there's quite a difference if you are like if for you to get to that like low end of ideal air quotes here is like a few pounds versus like hundreds of pounds. Right. Like that, sh- that in itself is an incredibly like, and, and this is where ideal weights and all of this stuff just gets so ridiculous and bad and, and all of this too. But I, so I just want to point out that like someone could be like, I want to lose 300 pounds in, I don't know, a very short, period of time and it would be like cool you're still in that quote unquote healthy range no problem we can help you do that like that's ridiculous it, oh it's... okay i see what you're saying do, do you so see what actually, i mean it actually does give you a timeline so i tried to say like oh i want to lose the maximum amount you'll let me by the earliest date possible 
And okay. it did try to be like, okay, here's what you can lose by then. Right. Okay. <laughs> and okay. here's the date that you can like finish. <laughs> okay. So it's not going to yeah. allow you to lose 400 pounds over a period of six weeks by having a total of 80 calories a day or something. It will no like longer let you do that. <laughs> <laughs> Right, but that was a problem before. Yeah, okay, okay. So that's that messed up. Yes, yes. I, okay, marginal improvements on a bad system. Got it. Yes, exactly. Okay, so I I kept trying to like sort of fiddle with it to see what it would allow. I also, there was an option right at the beginning. Do you want to, what is your goal? Do you want to get fit? Do you want to lose weight? I have been getting just relentless emails ever since I gave them my email. And they really do the whole, we're going to give you a trial, but it's going to expire. But then, well, we extended it for two days. Well, we gave you a different deal. Well, we give you this. Well, we saw you opened your other email, so we'll send you a different deal. Oh, oh goodness. Just relentless. Ugh. They wanted to know, what is your main reason for wanting to lose weight? Please choose what is most important. Improve physical appearance, engage more with family and friends, become healthier, feel better day to day or other. And before this, I had chosen like the the state get fitter option or whatever. And when it asked me how much weight I wanted to lose, I essentially I like I put the same weight I already was and it gave me an error message. Sorry, Noom is only for people who are currently trying to lose weight. Which is completely in opposition of what they actually said. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm I'm actually curious. I'm like, I don't know, a few pounds over like my ideal weight or whatever. If I had been in that range and I had put my same weight, I'm curious if they had. And I should have tested that, but I did not. They asked me a whole bunch of questions about my reasons and motivations. And every time I gave them an answer that it liked. It would adjust my timeline to tell me, oh, well, you seem very motivated or you already have X, Y, Z healthy habits. So it will take you less time. And so as I go, as I went through this survey, the time that it would take for me to lose the amount of weight I wanted continued to go down, of course. So this was trying to encourage me that ah, I'm, I'm already on the right track. I can do this if I pay for Noom. Like your like, your like sheer will and desire for it will somehow make this transformation happen faster and more permanently. Sheer will and desire was definitely part of the survey, but also things like I already exercise X times amount a week or mm-hmm. whatever. Those would be like, oh, good job. You're already on the path to healthy habits. We believe in you and we believe that you can do this in two less weeks than we ended up. I found it absolutely hilarious, and I believe that this would probably be the result for almost anyone who took this survey. When I finished, it told me that I could lose the amount of weight I wanted at a rate of exactly two pounds a week. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. How All right. fortuitous. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so apparently, if I had started when we were originally going to record this episode, I could have been 140 pounds by October 8th. No thanks. Okay. Ow. This would only cost me $33 a month if I build it every six months. So, wow, this is probably the scummiest thing I've ever seen. If, if you are really determined to sign up 
for Noom the first time you go to the website, you will be absolutely hosed. They ask you to commit to your weight loss by paying for the free trial. Wow. (laughs) Oh, if you take this for free, you're not really in it. You don't want to be not really in it. Oh, Lord. How much do you want to pay for the trial? And the minimum, the first time you see the thing, is a dollar. Like, you have to pay for it. And so, of course, if you nope out of it, they immediately are like, actually, we think that you are so special that we will give you this trial for free. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so shady. That's so bad. Like, I mean, I guess they are using psychology, but just to yeah, like, they are. people yeah, they out of money. Like, yeah. They have yeah. psychologists on staff. <laughs> yeah. I'm not doubting that. Oh, but yeah, it's it's all like marketing psychology, not like actually something that could be useful to a client. Marketing and shame. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, here we go. Okay, I finally found the wording. What is your ideal weight that you want to reach? I put 90 pounds. Said, sorry, based on the entered height of six feet, Noom is not currently designed to reach the entered goal weight. Following World Health Organization guidelines that classify BMIs below 18.5 as underweight. So we're not saying you shouldn't be lower than that. We're just saying we can't let you tell us that. (laughs) This is asking for people to develop eating disorders, just like every other weight loss program. Sorry, the World Health Organization is telling us that we can't do this. Yeah, we, we can't don't want to be meanies. Undernourished. Oh, God. So it's possible I hate Noom ever, even more than I did before. They have emailed me so many different offers and various, like, again, like weirdly shamey emails to try and convince me that I am failing myself by not signing up for them, essentially. Uh, it's real if you had signed it's real up good. though if you had signed up would getting the emails like Jem was getting from the mushroom tea with the, <laughs> we formed a prayer circle to oh, help you lose your weight <laughs> that's I what the forgot. coach is for to thumbs up my progress every week <laughs> I have anonymous strangers on Duolingo doing that when I do enough lessons <laughs> and I don't have to pay them anything Noom is a scam it's no better than any other weight loss app and your body is great and you should not try and shrink it. You should take up space. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. I had read, and I don't know if this, if you researched this, Ashlyn, but through some of my own research and reading some other reviews, like this company, it does, I believe, have some psychology on staff in some way or consultants, but it was started by some Palo Alto dude bros, like tech guys that love the oh, algorithm. Yeah. And it just, like, reeks of that. Of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I super didn't go too much into the early history, but essentially Noom, like, billed itself when it started becoming big as, like, this brand new thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that was what some of the reviews were talking about, too. Like, how can you be brand new and also have years of proven research? But it started well before that as just, like, a regular-ass tracking app. And so they have been around as a normal, boring weight loss company for a long time and then recently not recently but they managed to do that sort of overhaul of their image to be a new exciting thing because tech bro we reinvented ourselves with the better science yeah we've reinvented public transit again boys (laughs) how's that new library working out for you 
<laughs> oh my god. The one where nobody takes care of anything or cares. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. So I have a story about Noom. I've never used Noom, but I've being in the line of work that I'm in, I've definitely mm -hmm. heard of it and encountered it. And a couple years back, <sighs> there was a workplace thing where the powers that be were obsessed with everything new and whatever is popular. And that meant they were obsessed with Noom. And so they decided that we needed to make our own version of Noom. And I sat through countless meetings of people talking about how Noom does this and Noom does that. And how can we re-replicate these things? And this is too when the price oh, no. point of Noom was a lot cheaper. And several years back, like I said, and it was just horrific and painful in so many ways. And colleagues and I would just joke about the things we would do if we heard the word Noom one more time in that same meeting. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So my experience Ooh. with Noom is, is, it's really truly just Noom adjacent, but just the things I was forced to do because people wanted us to make a Noom knockoff was mm. just... <sighs> and this app, of course, never materialized and was never going to have any of these features that they were planning, And but they oh, no. didn't stop them from well, pouring all Well, because, of... again, the powers that be got convinced right. that the the algorithm would would just make it happen and that the company that was putting it together would just the algorithm would do it and i kept trying to say can you explain what you mean by that and they could not L laura relate <laughs> i was still a software developer at the time this was happening and she relayed the sort of the cliff's notes of some of these meetings to me and i'm like my bullshit detector went off so fast i'm like yeah. these people have no idea what they're doing this app will never exist yes well i kept being like they can't do this. And I would come home and Jem be, and I'd be like, hey, Jem, verify for me that this is not possible. And he would be like, you are correct. This is not possible with these inputs. And then I would go back to them and I'd be like, this is not possible. And they'd be like, but the algorithm. And I'd be like, oh, oh no. So anyway, that Noom just opens up that can of worms for me. <laughs> and the way you said about the price point, like it is shockingly expensive. I was very surprised to find out that it was like $25 plus a month. And there's like, you can for sure get three months free of your six months trial or whatever, but it's still not cheap. I was expecting more on the lines of like 10 to $15 a month. Well, that's what I how thought much it was a few years ago. I thought that when it first started getting big, sorry, Lauren, it was you could get the lowest tier that was like two ninety nine a month or something oh, like dang. that. Like it was it was like dollars. Yeah. A Think month. of how much money you are saving on not buying food. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was going through the thing, I also forgot about this amazing add-on. You can choose through during your registration to add a mental wellness course pack to your Noom subscription. That's That'll be an additional $60, thanks. One time or monthly? One time. Okay. Yeah, and when I chose to add that, they said, great choice. This will help you learn how to avoid stress eating and manage your cravings. And then they bumped another couple of weeks off my weight loss. 
Okay. So wait, so this whole program that's all about psychology doesn't even include the psychology in the program? Right? Learn how to avoid stress <sighs> eating and manage your cravings. That is what you are selling me as a program, not an right. add-on. Yes! Oh <laughs> my god, these guys are so dumb! <laughs> oh, they're so, so frustrating! Dumb. And it's so transparent, and they have it's... taken in so many people. Yeah. Oh, it's so, like, it's it's heartbreaking, and just, like, I just want to hit things <laughs> when I hear yeah. this company still is doing this. Oh, my God. Ugh. Thank you, Ugh. audience, for listening to us rage. <laughs> yeah, don't don't spend money on any of the stuff that you hear on podcasts, I think. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> I don't know, I don't want to, like, throw other podcasters under the bus. I know people need to pay their bills and stuff, but also most of these products are just, like, as seen on TV stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I really feel like... Oof. Snake oil for the modern age. Oh, that would have been a good episode for this podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, title. good title. Yeah. yeah, good title. That is a good title. Well done. My not that I like any ads ever, but I appreciate that a lot of my ads, especially on the networks from the states, are often just ads for other podcasts because they don't know what else to advertise to Canadians. Yeah, and yeah. I, I very much appreciate that. <laughs> what, oh. what do Canadians do? They have eleven months of snow, and do they have electricity? We don't know. <laughs> well, the the funny one that that I get on some where they try to localize the ads are the join the Calgary Co-op. That one's very. I've gotten that one a lot recently. Yeah. Go and to your local Calgary Co-op. I cannot. <laughs> and they don't. They don't audio balance it, so Calgary Co-op ads are like a thousand times higher volume than the show I'm listening oh, geez. to. That, that's so easy to fix, though. Mm -hmm. Was I was I telling you folks about my problem with trying to give a podcast money to not listen to ads, and I couldn't? I don't know. Oh, it was very annoying to me because I was trying, it was behind the bastards. I was like, mm -hmm. I'm so sick of listening to these iHeart radio ads. Oh yeah, they're so bad. Uh, and I, <laughs> I would like to give Robert Evans money in order to not have to listen to them. It turns out I can't do that because, and I found a very good Reddit post about it that was essentially, they have never asked anything of me. They do not care what ridiculous stuff I throw to ads with, which is often things like, Blue Apron, who enjoys... Has an island for hunting children's for sport. Yeah. Hunting children, yeah. <laughs> is happy to sponsor this podcast, and they just go to ads, and the producer's like, yeah, sure, whatever, okay. So, yeah, <laughs> if, you're, if your company provides health insurance to your employees and doesn't l lets you throw it at your sponsors in that way, I guess I could see how you wouldn't set up a Patreon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I really wish I didn't have to listen to those ads. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sad that the one of the podcasts that I have paid to listen to ad-free for a while is going away along with the rest of Vice Media. The oh, sort of around the time that this episode goes live. It is a bummer indeed. RIP Vice and BuzzFeed News like they're oh, it's not a good time. Oof. Yikes. There's Yeah, I'm there are nice things that. in the world though. Yeah, let's talk Speaking about some of, of them. Yeah. <laughs> Good throw. Okay, I'll go first for once. Yay. 
My something nice is that I am working on our pop-up camper. We bought an old pop-up camper last year and it has some damage to the roof, leaking roof for probably a very long time. And so I am with the kind and gracious help of my very skilled and handy father. I am taking the roof apart and rebuilding the damaged parts and with any luck, putting it back together in a usable fashion. <laughs> with any luck. And it's, it's a nice project. I've had a bit of time at the moment to be able to do that. So I'm spending two or three days a week going out to my parents' place where they also have space for me to do this and spending some time with my dad, having lunch with my mom and working on this this project and doing something that is working with my hands and not too cerebral and it's a nice break from the usual kind of work that i do awesome sounds really wonderful i have so many good memories of our pop-up trailer as a kid and my mom had sewed this big like porch for it and we have so many pictures and just nice. how i started my love of camping yeah, yeah, it's been, we took it out a couple times last year and the kids had a lot of fun in it and it certainly is, it does make set up and take down a whole lot easier. Yeah, we, we'd always been tenting people and we still tent sometimes. Yeah, yeah, the kids still want to tent and, and I don't have anything against tenting, but the trailer is nice. Mm -hmm. My something nice is I watched the new Dungeons and Dragons movie with the kids and it was fun it was fun it was a fun family movie the kids are really into that stuff and it was funny and pleasant and yeah it was it was a nice time and uh, along those lines <laughs> reminds me laura and i have actually just started watching a new tv show that i had heard about i don't know if you folks have heard of this called jury duty no mm -mm. so the premise is that it is a documentary following a group of jurors deliberating on a case. Um, I have heard about this. Yes. Only and one of them is an actor, right? Or in one, no, only one of them is a real person? Only, so one of the jurors is a real person who thinks he's on a real jury. Every other person in the entire show is an actor. <laughs> so it's like the Joe uh, Schmo show. Well, it's the Truman show. Yeah. Or the, yeah, uh, the Truman the show, basically. Like, but it is... It's helped by a lot of things, a lot of really funny, talented people on the show. James Marsden is in it playing James oh. Marsden as yeah. one of the jurors. Oh, God. <laughs> Which is great. Well. And, and he. Don't spoil much, but. I, I do have to mention one joke that, that just made me laugh so hard. Laura, Laura, too. In one of the episodes we were reading, James Marsden, while the rest of the jurors are deliberating, he's just like reading like a script for an upcoming show that he's movie that he's working on. And God. you just see him go, oh, 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 sorry, jump scare. <laughs> just, <laughs> just that, like the idea of somebody being like, like, like spooked by a jump scare while reading a script is just extremely oh. funny to me. That is pretty um, funny. I laughed. Yeah, yeah it, it was. It's yeah. Yeah. yeah it, and it's like the the guy, the the real guy who's on it, who's not an actor is is like just genuinely like a pretty sweet guy. 
Yeah. And it, it's just, it, it, it's funny and fun. It so. is funny and fun. And it, it, it doesn't hurt feelings or put people in like bad or uncomfortable or compromising situations, which a lot of these like reality-esque shows will often do. And I I like that. Yeah, it's a it's been a fun a fun little ride so far. So we mm-hmm. haven't finished it yet, but it's fun. Cute. My nice thing is that even though Dave, our husband, has been working a ridiculous amount, like truly an outrageous amount of hours, an illegal amount times, of hours, like way not getting enough sleep hours, he has fashioned a beautiful swinging screen door for my loft which previously was simply an open doorway with the staircase because our kittens who we love dearly just refuse to stop eating glass <laughs> trying to <laughs> they seek it out and crunch it and oh, carry it no! around like it's the best toy ever and they need to be kept out of the loft <laughs> oh god we have Why never glass? had this <laughs> Because I have a lot of glass that is in, like, stick form, yeah, and yeah. we play with them with with stick toys that they love, and so they go, oh my god, a stick, I'm gonna take it to mom and show it to her, and it, they just, they're eating glass, and it can't continue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Dave put a lot of work into this very, very <laughs> insubstantial door, which is nice. But nothing in our 100-year house is level or normal or reasonable. So it took, like, three trips to Home Depot and, like, 1,100 cuts on the circular saw to make this thing work. Oh, <laughs> and I really appreciate it. Oh, that is, that is a lovely something nice. Yeah. yeah. Yes, he did very well with that. My something nice is... I don't, don't think we mentioned this last month, so... Ashlyn and I both put in a, a lot of work, or her obviously more than me, into getting her new company website up and running. Did we mention this last month? No, no I don't it think wasn't so. Wasn't done when we recorded. Yeah. Okay. So I kind of wanted to launch it on May first, and but then we put the majority of the work into it on May first, so it got done. But yeah, it was there was not like a lead up to the announcement. Yeah, <laughs> I I had May first off. Because it was a Hydro Monday, not because we were allowed to celebrate May Day or anything. But we got the last of the copy and the the photos and everything done. And Ashlyn put it all up. And it's noblewhimsical.com. And it's for the launch of her a new branch of her business. And it's it's beautiful. And everybody should check it out. Wonderful. Well, yeah, we will have a link. <laughs> we'll have a link in the show notes. Getting our own cross advertising. No ads. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you did say on the last month's episode, except for the ads for your business that you occasionally throw in. True. I was listening to Uh, it the other day. I'm really hopeful about this direction for my business. I think that so what I what I'm hoping to do is it's a memorial business where I am taking cremains from beloved people or pets and turning them into beautiful little glass galaxies and memorial pendants. And I've already had a couple of commissions from people who it sounds like they were just waiting for somebody to offer this. Like it was actually the funniest thing was I had a woman message me and then a friend of hers tagged her in the comments of the post I had made. And she was like, I'm already on it. (laughs) (laughs) I've been looking for somebody. 
and like making things that people are gonna hold on to for the rest of their lives like that just makes me feel really good mm-hmm. Yeah. And you do beautiful work, and I'm glad to make it as my something nice as to, to tell the world about it. Aww. Yeah, lovely. Thank you well, for all the work you that. did. Yeah. <clears throat> well, we use Squarespace. You're giving it a... <laughs> <laughs> no free ads. For- yeah, no free ads. Jem, when you were saying don't buy anything that you hear on a podcast, I was legitimately thinking, I'm kind of happy with my website. <laughs> <laughs> but then we forgot to put in any promo promos for, oh, yeah. from I mean, we're not maybe we have a thousand listeners maybe they would sponsor us. no we're not doing ads no. you could totally send us money to not do ads though that would be really cool <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like carbon credits that way we weren't going to do them anyway but please pay us <laughs> we will for sure not do them this episode <laughs> Yeah, we we would like to continue to do this. It does it does cost more money than it makes. If you have a few dollars to throw at us, we would appreciate it. But this is our little vanity project that people listen to and feeds our souls, and keeps mm-hmm. our research skills sharp. So yes. thank you, listeners. And make sure we are forced to interact with each other at least once a month. There you mm-hmm. go. <laughs> so thanks for joining me tonight. <laughs> thank Even you. Even though that's your thank line you. tonight, Jim. That's okay. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Good night. Show notes and references for all of our episodes are available at lueepodcast.com, where you can also find links to donate or get in touch. If you'd like to support the show, the best way to do that is with a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you found us, or by sharing this episode with a friend. <laughs>